It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sportsman on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joe Medor on this fourth day of October. 6.06 on the clock and 73 degrees and cloudy outside in southeast Ohio. Again, it's the Sportsman presented by JNK Contracting. Lots to talk about over the weekend. Of course, we didn't have a show on Friday. We got uh, Bengals are on Thursday. They have the weekend off. Uh, lots of high school stuff going on. An impressive win for the Athens Bulldogs over the Megs Marauders. And Nelsonville, York has won four straight. Trimble Tomcats won a game after they rescheduled from later on down in their schedule. Uh, but first things first, Joey, how you doing? It was a great football weekend, Connor. Um, hit a few of my bets. Stayed away from the Bengals, unlike you buffoons in the studio trying to tell me to bet them minus seven and a half. Glad I went to my better judgment and didn't take that. <laughs> See, I, 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 in the weekend, I was worried. I mean, after prisoners Thursday, of the moment, my friend, prisoners of the moment. After Thursday night, I was worried about you because I, again, we did not have a. Um, there was not a, a a great performance in that first half against Cincinnati. So uh, I'm glad that yeah. you didn't listen to us. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Either way, me too. And uh, you know, yeah, I have nothing more to say. I wish the other two were on the show too. That way, I rub in everybody's face that I was right. Because I remember coming to the studio and saying, seven and a half, that seems like a big line. Everybody's like, oh, no, especially Carl. Oh, you take that part. You take the spread. It's like, okay. First of all, any NFL team minus seven and a half, unless you have a situation where the Bills are playing Davis Mills like yesterday in that game, you usually stay away. And this Bengals team, who has played better to this point, three and one, we'll get into the game here in a second. But, um... You know, more to prove. You know, they haven't gone out and, you know, dominated a team for four quarters this year. So I didn't 100% convince they'd do it on a short week against the Jaguars team. And they didn't. But they got the win, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. And, again, point spreads and everything don't really matter to players and coaches. Uh, it matters to, you know, the fans because, obviously, you're, you're betting money on it. But, um, you know, win's a win at the end of the day. And, you know, even after a, a poor first half for Cincinnati, they come back. They won 14-10. to 10. They're able to take the weekend off. And uh, really, it's not a bye week, but they do have an extended period of time to now focus on the next opponent, which is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And uh, that one, like I told you off-air, Joey, that one I am not picking Cincinnati in. Uh, I do think that they're much improved from where they were last year. I do think that Joe is probably, you know, comeback player of the year favorite, uh, but I am not going to pick Cincinnati over Green Bay. Could an upset happen? Sure. I mean, upsets can happen anywhere in the NFL, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to have uh, Cincinnati favored in their next game against the Packers. You're looking a little far ahead here. We haven't even talked about last week's game yet. Oh, I know, but <laughs> I want to make sure that that is out there. And that's the thing. Everybody wanted to jump to that Packers game. They were like, all right, Jaguars, Thursday night at home. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be awesome. we got Packers next week. It's like, well, hold up. you got a good young quarterback coming into town with a coach who would love to go and win in, in Ohio and uh, Jacksonville. They came out with a, uh, with a fire offensively. Very, uh, very close to being up 21-zip, and who knows if it gets to that point. It might have been curtains in the first half. I don't know if, if Burrow and the offense would have been able to, come, would have been able to uh, 
fight back 21 points down. They had enough gas to fight back from 14 down, obviously, as we saw. But uh, that was probably the, the turning point in the game there because on their first couple drives, Jacksonville was doing pretty much anything they wanted um, offensively. I think uh, people kind of undersold how important uh, Bates being out was. You know, that's the defensive signal caller. He wears the green dot, so to say. So obviously he is, him being out, you know, that, that's a big blow and you got to change everything that, that has to go with all that stuff. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, you know, they were burning them with that read option play early on in the game. Of course, he took the second uh, touchdown in on the ground. They, he hit some good passes. Chenault for them had a good game. I think he had close to 100 yards receiving. And um, so they came out and they were ready to go. But, um, you know, getting that stop on that fourth and goal at the one, very, very tight play. Because if you go down 21 nothing in that spot, uh, we could be probably talking about a completely different outlook on the on Cincinnati right now with them being two and two coming off a loss to the Jaguars. But the defense stood up when they needed them, played settled down a bit in the second half, and that's what they needed them to do. Absolutely, and you, you talked about that uh, play right before halftime with Logan Wilson stepping up and being able to stop Jacksonville from punching it in from about one yard out. Uh, that was huge, and I think Logan Wilson is probably. Uh, you know, one of their best defensive pieces, and not probably, I mean, he has been one of their best uh, so far this season. I mean, just in yesterday's game, Logan Wilson, 10 tackles, four solo, got a sack, and had a tackle for a loss, right? I mean, if he doesn't step up, um, you know, you're looking at a, a totally different game, and we're talking about this game now on Monday, where Cincinnati is, is probably, you know, three and two, uh, again, with the Packers next week, and Jacksonville has their, their first win. I think that play right before the half was that changing moment in the ball game. because if you're going down, like you said, 21 nothing, um, you know, that's, that's a tough deficit to come back. And, again, it, it was uh, impressive the way that Cincinnati responded in the second half. I don't think a Cincinnati team from last year or even the past couple of years would have been able to put up 24 points in the second half to come back and win, uh, especially in a Thursday night football game. Um, but, you know, this it seems like a different culture. It seems like a different kind of team uh, to where they're, they're improving week in and week out. Um, but I think the biggest performance, you know, outside of Joe, I mean, Joe stepped up in the second half, 348 yards passing, uh, 25 of 32, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The, the biggest and the best play was probably from C.J. Uzama, who came out of nowhere. I mean, Uzama's coming back from an injury last year. Uh, he's got five catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. So, Uzama... I mean, that's probably the game of his career yeah. at this point. And it needed... You know, if, if he doesn't have the game of his career with those two touchdowns, again, yeah, Cincinnati probably loses this one, Joey. Sure. And as you mentioned, uh, the offense, very stagnant in that first half. Uh, Jacksonville was giving him trouble. Uh I think the predictability would have been what a lot of people pointed to, like that, like what was going on in the first couple of weeks. That you know they were lining up under center, running dive right, dive left, you know sweep right, sweep left, and then throwing on third down, and then very predictable. Um, but they were able to avoid that this week, and that was that was key. And uh, as you mentioned, they kind of had their first chance all year, being down 14. They were never really. Uh, trailing besides the game they lost to Chicago in any other ball game. And in that game and this game, you get to see them just open it up to Joe and let him try to toss the ball around and, and uh, bring him back and go in the shotgun and empty and all that stuff, which I think many would argue that's the offense he thrives in when he can just sit back there and, and dissect a defense. Um, but he got hot 
and as you mentioned, you know, the first touchdown catch by Uzama, you know, obviously a good play. He came open, and uh, Joe put it on him. But it was a bit of a high throw. He went up there and made a really nice catch and a great run after the catch as well. And he really made a good run after the catch on both of his touchdowns. But uh, that one really changed the game because you really needed Cincinnati to make a statement and put, up, put the ball in the end zone to uh, fight back into that game at that point, and they were able to do that. So I thought that was... Uh, Another very key momentum shifter in the game, and as we, as I just said, you know that's kind of the game of Uzama's career at this point. He never had multiple touchdowns in a game, um, and he's just not really a guy that they got involved in the passing game very much in his career. And you know that could have been because they had Eifert there for so many years. He was a great receiving tight end, didn't really need Uzama to be that guy, but now he's really their number one option at tight end. Yeah, and, and over the past couple of years, right, tight end hasn't really been a spot of production for Cincinnati. I think they had the lowest tight end production in the league last year. Right, and at the beginning of this year, too. Because, again, Uzama hasn't really... I mean, he, he's he been a good player for Cincinnati for a couple of years, but he hasn't really emerged uh, and helped out on the offensive side, right? You, you're not going to see him with 95 yards receiving, you know, week in and week out. I mean, that's... Um, it, like you said, it's been a uh, it was a career game for him on Thursday, and you know hopefully he can build off of that and continue that not that type of production. I don't think that's sustainable, but you know if they're getting their tight ends more involved in the passing game, it just makes this uh, whole offense a little bit more uh, formidable against you know maybe teams with a little bit of a better defense. Yeah, sure. And then you know I think what you're going to end up seeing is people are see that second half and see that, you know, Joe's pretty much back to full form where he can, um, you know, take over a game passing. And you can, you can put the, the trust into that newly repaired knee and everything else and trust him to move around and make the throws from the pocket and, move, and run around and stuff. And again, got to applaud the O-line once again. Only one sack against, uh, against Jacksonville. And they kept him upright pretty much, you know, the rest of the game. Now, do you think, it, is that because of Carmen stepping up and, and no, helping I mean, you out? Can't, or is you can't that... ever attribute offensive line play to one guy. Uh, but there is a significant difference between what uh, I, I think his name is Suofilo. Um, yeah. Suofilo and, and what Carmen has done. I think that Carmen's been a little bit better. And it's, it's not going to solve all the world's problems, but you know you, you got to like what you've seen out of him so far. Well, continuity at the O-line is the biggest deal in this. Uh, I talked about this on Thursday where they were running out so many different line combinations last year just trying to find some kind of guys who could... You know, keep Joe from getting smoked over and over again. And, you know, they by far had the most line combinations in the league last year. But offensive line is key. When to had the same five guys, you know, play together, gel together, really, uh, really, you know, work together. They figure out each other's tendencies. They're able to, you know, combo black on guys and climb to the next level. They just know what the other guys are going to do. They're all blocking in sync. And that, that comes with playing and practicing and everything together. So if Carmen's... Looks like he's going to be the guy from here on out, and hopefully they stay healthy on the rest of the line. That way they can build that continuity that they definitely didn't have last year. And we do have a call on the line. Caller, you're live on the sports fan. Okay. Uh, the reason I'm calling, um, I'm real excited about Joe's win. Yes, wonderful with the Bengals. Mm -hmm. um, uh, not surprised with uh, um, the coach for the Jaguars, um, Myers there. And uh, are you going to discuss uh, the problem that uh, <laughs> he was in over the weekend? Oh, yeah, the um, yeah, Urban Meyer, yeah. you know, from, from what I know and what I've understood over the past, 
over the weekend. He did not fly back with the Jacksonville Jaguars after the game on Thursday. He instead, uh, in, in what he talked about in his press conference today, uh, he mm -hmm. said that he, he stayed at his Columbus uh, restaurant and wanted to, you know, be with his um, you know, grandchildren, spend time with them, got invited mm -hmm. next door and uh, in, in the mm -hmm. club atmosphere a little bit, uh, put himself in a bad position, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he was recorded and, uh, you know, was on blast on, on social media. Like a, right, twerking like with a 20-year-old. Mm, right. Yes. And, I, yes, right. And it's really disgusting. And he's had problems since um, Myers, as far as I'm concerned. He's not my favorite person. I haven't I haven't tuned in to Ohio State game. It's my, not my favorite team since 2018 when they had the Courtney Smith mm -hmm. and all that since so he's had problems since really 2015. It's come to light. So do you really think I'm going to hang up and you can tell me? Uh, you really think he's going to still be there with the Jaguars uh, coaching? Thank you and have a good day there. And go Joe. Good <laughs> job, Joe Burrow. Absolutely. We uh, we appreciate the phone call. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I don't. I don't think it doesn't seem like they're going to take steps to fire him. But he's had issues dating back to his time at Florida. I mean, right. and nothing like this magnitude of him getting caught on social media doing you know obviously stuff that he shouldn't be doing. Um, I thought it was strange. You never hear of an NFL coach not flying out with his team. That 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 was strange for me to begin with. Right. Um, Especially since you know he's married. You know, what, what is he, like 50, well, yeah, I mean, 50 60 yeah, something? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's but, naive to assume all these guys are, are the best with their, you know, marriages and relationships and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Also, you like, dude, you're Urban Meyer in Columbus, you know, to some, I mean, I mean, I, I feel like to most he's a local legend and to others, like, you know, the call we just had, you know, some people don't aren't very fond of him for, you know, whatever happened towards the tail end of his Ohio State days or even before that with when he was down in Florida. I mean, look at some of the players that ended up coming from his Florida programs. I don't need to name them, but just endless the way he left that team with because right. he was having family issues. He, yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, he's an imperfect guy. I, I've never been the biggest fan of him either. I, I don't, I mean, he's always come across to me as, you know, kind of a jerk, really, in the media, and, um, you know, even when he was just a TV personality the past couple of years, I uh, just seemed to have an arrogance about him. Um, I don't think that the Jaguars, I feel like if they were going to fire him, you would do it now. So that way, if, you're, if you are going to move on, you get him out of the way now. That way, whoever you're going to promote for interim or whatever is going to have the whole week to prepare for their next week's game. I don't know if they're going to take a measure as drastic. Obviously, you saw he apologized for it. I mean, of course, he's only sorry because it came out, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, Urban, uh, again, he's never been one of my favorites. Uh, and, you know, this is just another example for those who, who have kind of disdained for him that, uh, you know, that's just another kind of mark on him for that. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. And it makes you wonder if during his time at Ohio State he was doing stuff like this and it just never came to light because he was Ohio State's football coach and, you know, trying oh. to protect the prestige that they claim to have as a program. And I, I think this, this is finally one of those things where you get to peek behind the curtain, right? Because all of the problems in the past have either been uh, with who he has recruited to play for him, uh, who he has chosen as an assistant coach, who's on his coaching staff, um, you know, it, it's always been something external, 
right? But this is finally a look behind the curtain, and you can kind of see what, what Urban's like outside of that coaching role. Uh, yes, he had that arrogance about him. Yes, he, you know, turned people off. Uh, but now, you know, you get to see kind of what his quote-unquote personal life looks like. And, yeah. you know, it's... It, I mean, it doesn't look good. And I personally wouldn't ever hire a football coach that anytime his team gives up a score or loses, looks like he's going to have a conniption on the sideline. <laughs> um, well, I was surprised to see because... I mean, did you see him after the game? He was like, he's heartbroken and we're 0-4 and, and all the stuff and like he loves his team and like they're all heart... It's like, dude, did you think you were going to be good before the season started this year? Like, are you that... <laughs> right. I, I would think if you're Urban Meyer, you have a pretty good judge on football talent. I mean, he's... You could argue he's probably one of the top college coaches of all time. I think he knows what a good football team looks like. Well, There's no way he thought his Jaguars team down there was going to go. What, do you think they're going to Super Bowl this year? Like, no. And and, and <laughs> I mean, some of the problems you know that that followed him in college are now up at, at the professional level. I mean, it seemed almost within the week, a month of um, who's the the guy that he hired that had the uh, uh, racially insensitive. Um, he was berating one of his his own players, or he he said something that that turned off uh, one of his players. I think it was a strength and conditioning coach, uh, but he had to fire him immediately from from Jacksonville. I know Joe will pull up the name here in a second, um, but you had that. You had the whole Tim Tebow debacle, and you know, <laughs> listen, Tim Tebow's a nice guy, right? And um, he's probably the best player that Urban Meyer coached. At the collegiate level. I mean, Tim Tebow was a special type of player, and he's had nothing but uh, good things, you know, come his way th throughout his career. But Tim Tebow was never a tight end. And that, I know he apologized for being a distraction uh, over this past weekend. And, you know, the apology has to be a little bit more sincere than I was a distraction. I mean, maybe you don't want to apologize to your family in the public. Maybe you have something separate you want to say there. But, you know... It, it almost seems like he kind of breezed over that, that portion of his press conference earlier I, today. I, yeah, I mean. But, again, you know, the Tim Tebow thing was, was a distraction. Tebow should have never uh, made the team, and he didn't. But, you know, that, that, whole, was, that whole thing was that if you're bringing him into, you know, mentor, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, if you're talking to him about being a quarterback, you can't just shift, uh, you know, being a... Uh, you can't shift what position you play at that stage in Tim Tebow's career. He was just coming off of baseball, but that was a distraction. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the been whole... a circus since he's taken over. Right. And then, the, you know, the quote of, it's like playing Alabama every week. It's like, yeah, no, no, no kidding, pal. Like, what? it's the NFL. The guys get paid to do it. Like, And back to what you said, you know, this team, it's not a good Jacksonville team. No. It's going to take time to build it up. And also, when he first got the job, he was complaining about how he couldn't get to meet like with his free agent. It's like, yeah, dude, you're not recruiting guys. It's guys who want to make money to play football. Like, it's not right. a. Um, you can try to change the culture on there, but if you're telling a 15-year NFL veteran that hey, you got to go run laps around the track, you know that, that that's not going to be, you know, looked upon with yeah. a smile by that NFL veteran. I mean, and there are just certain things. NFL is done a little bit differently than, than what the, the college team is. You're not having a young, you know, freshman trying to crack your roster. Sure. You know? And, I, you know, I think 
This is getting off a, a little bit of a different subject, but you know, I think it's really tough for a college coach to to cross the the barriers into the NFL. I mean, very few have done it. Pete Carroll is, I th- is he the only coach ever to win a Super Bowl and a national championship? I, I think maybe. He, I don't know, but anyway, you know, obviously he's been able to do it. But you know, look at the greatest, you know, the uh, the so-called greatest college coach ever, Nick Saban. I mean. They struggled down in Miami. He only got a couple of years there. Then he was back in college ball. Greg Schiano uh, over at Rutgers. Schiano, uh, Sarkeesian was down in Atlanta. Uh, who was the other guy? He was a Louisville coach a couple of years ago. Um, uh, you're not, I mean, Chip Kelly a little bit. Right, but, Chip I mean, Kelly's another one. I mean, they had a little bit of success um, at first, and then that kind of came all crashing down itself. You heard Eagles players completely complaining about stuff they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, it, it's so tough because when you're a college coach, you can literally control every single aspect of your player's life, right? Like, and also you're getting paid millions of dollars and they're not. So, like, you're, they're kind of at the mercy of, of whatever you, you, you have to say there. I mean, of course, that's changing, obviously, with the NIL stuff. But just for years and years, that's how it was. But, like, you get to the NFL and you're trying to, you know, control these guys' lives, like coaches trying to say, you know, in college, you could be like, hey, no talking on the bus on the way to the game. If you said in the NFL, those guys are going to be like, hey, coach, why don't you, you know, KMA? Like, if I want to talk on the bus, I make more money than you. I, I could talk on the team bus, or I could talk at lunch, or I could do whatever I want. I could tell you I'm not doing these push-ups because I don't feel like it. Like, that's, that's how, what you run into in the NFL. It's just not the same. You can't <laughs> – you're not like – it's more of like a – you know, not to compare, but, like, it's more of like a kind of a, a dictator type of thing. You know, when you're the – when you're a head football coach, you can control everything that your team does, like the classes they take, what time they got to wake up and be at lifts, when they lift, when they don't lift, how, how long they're at practice, you know, all this, all kinds of stuff. You basically could create the schedule for their lives, and it's not like that in the NFL, and I think that's why you see so many guys struggle to make the transition. I mean, I haven't really heard Jaguars players come out and complain about Urban to this point, but obviously, you know, the product on the field isn't good. They're 0-4. Um, and what's also an interesting point is, you know, there were already the speculations that maybe he was going to be one and done and, you know, the USC job and all that other stuff. And you just wonder if uh, this little, you know, thing that happened over the weekend that we all saw, if that's going to, uh, you know, how that's going to play into this. Like maybe the Jaguars will give him this year and then tell him he's done altogether. I don't know. It's don't tough, know. though. See, my my gut feeling, if, again, he's if he wasn't fired for a, for this weekend, um, you know he's he's going to be on this team for at least this season. Um, but my gut feeling is that he's going to be back next year. It, it seems like everywhere that he's gone, he's at least you know been the coach long enough to have success there, right? I mean, he won the national title uh, with Florida. He won the national title with Ohio State. I don't think absolutely. But Urban Meyer, I mean, you look at his first couple of years at Bowling Green. They won eight and three and nine and three. They didn't lose at Bowling Green. Which is not a, you know, a football powerhouse, as we all know. And he went over to Utah, they won. Went down to Florida, they won. He went to Ohio State his first year under sanctions, loss of scholarships. They couldn't rank playing a bowl game, all that. They went 12-0. and He's never lost. Yeah. And, you, I mean, we saw it his last year at Ohio State. They went, you know, 10-2, and won a Rose Bowl. And, I mean, at times during that season, you would have thought they were one of the worst teams ever. He, I mean, it was always a question of if he has these hard issues, which... You know, I, I, I maybe it played a factor into it. I think there was a bunch of other reasons why he didn't get to come back to Ohio State. Uh, you know, just with the everything that went on that season, the off season before that, with the you know, the abuse case and all that stuff, right? Um, of one of his assistant coaches. But 
you know, it, it was, it's just, it was always like, okay, well, if you have heart issues at Florida and Ohio State and all that other stuff, if you're down at Jacksonville, when you guys go 2-15, and 15, how are you going to how are you gonna be able to handle that? Um, right. It's not going to be, you know, a relaxing experience down in Jacksonville. You're sure. not going to be able it's gonna to. It's going to take a few years to, you know, draft well, bring in some free agents. You know, you, you hope Trevor Lawrence pans out, even though, you know, you heard he was going to be one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest, you know, prospects. People were saying he was the best guy since Luck, and obviously Andrew Luck. <laughs> before getting her, uh, all the injuries he did, was a great football player. And I will say this. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good. He played very well. Against a night game. Yeah. statistically, you know, top 10 defense in, in the Bengals. And they showed off his athleticism, which, right. you know, you, you, don't, you don't usually think a 6'6 six, six quarterback can move like he does. But, yeah, he's, a, he's, an, he's an athlete in every sense of the word, for sure. Um, I had another You know what else, though? And again, we're talking about Bengals won 24 21 Thursday night. You go to 3 and 1, tied atop the AFC North right now. But um, the amount of times I see a graphic about Trevor Lawrence never losing in high school and college, it's like, <laughs> dude, every NFL player won in high school. Like, that's why they're NFL players. Let's assume that they dominated or whatever else, and their high school team won a lot of football games for them to then go to a D1 school, for them to then go to the NFL. Like, so you would. I, you would rather them, and and maybe it's more. You know, no, I just think it's a stupid thing to point out for Trevor Lawrence. I bet you every NFL quarterback lost very few games in high school. How many yeah. games did Joe Burrow lose in high school? Not many. Exactly. I, I, I don't like think. It, <laughs> I think he won, or I think he lost one regular season game his sophomore year, and then did not lose a regular season game. Until two, so he lost three times. Like that's only one more than they say Trevor Lawrence lost. Yeah, like it's like what? Well, he he would have lost, I think, and and somebody who knows better can can call it incorrect. But I think he lost one game his sophomore year. Then he, you know, lost. I don't know if they made the postseason that sophomore year or not. I'm going to assume that they did if they only had one loss. Uh, so you had the loss in, in the postseason. So he had four losses. Uh, one, two, so it three. Been, yeah, four losses, right? Yeah. So one regular season, postseason, postseason, postseason. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Exactly. So it's like, stop running your graphics about how, oh, how's Trevor Lawrence going to handle <laughs> losing in the NFL? He's never lost before. None of these guys lose in high school or college. That's why they're in the NFL. What if it's I mean, some of them lose in college a little bit, but like, especially high school. Like, they're all dominant in high school. Their teams don't lose. Like, what about an offensive lineman? Let's say that some big guy just came out of nowhere. In, uh, I would argue if even if you're an O lineman in Alabama, your team's probably still winning the majority of games you're playing in. <laughs> Maybe it's. Um, the game plan was, well, I mean, this is the biggest guy on our high school offense. Let's hand it off well, to him. It's just like if I have to hear one back. more time about how well, Trevor Lawrence has never lost like this in the regular season. It's like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I bet you Baker Mayfield never lost in, in high school. I bet you Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I bet you none of them ever lost in high school because they're NFL quarterbacks. They probably threw for 10 touchdowns a game like every great high school quarterback does. Right. Right. But like, for some reason with Trevor Lawrence, it's like, well, he, he doesn't know how to lose. One thing that you made me think of it when you were talking about the whole, you know, on the bus situation, right? Um, yeah, it made me think of just major league, right? Remember when the, uh, what was he, the third baseman or the shortstop? He says, hey, you know, it's in my contract here that I don't have to do the, the calisthenics that you tell me I need to do. And then the, the, uh, you know, the manager kind of takes that contract, yeah, puts well, it down on the ground, and, uh, you know, does his thing. Well, major <laughs> was, league is a movie. 
It, it is. It is. And but I guarantee if a head coach said that to a player <laughs> in real life, there'd be a trade request in oh. the next day. <laughs> I know. Uh, but but just as, as you were talking about it, that yeah, one of the best. I, I think Major League is one of the, the funniest baseball movies out there. Uh, but as you're talking about it, you know, that, that just made me remember that. Um, but It'd be the other way around in, if it wasn't a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that'd be hilarious. Just imagine somebody Just like, doing I don't that. know. I don't, I don't think those drill sergeant coaches, I mean, it's, it's obviously coming off a little bit now. But in college, like I said, you just have complete control over the athlete as the coach. And you don't in the NFL. I think some of these college guys come in and think they're going to do that. Like Joe Judge with the Giants. I don't care you know, how much respect they have for him, all this other stuff. They keep losing games when he's trying to make him run laps at practice at some day or another. What I'm going to tell him to, you know, frick off. And well, how about that? I mean, two New York teams who are I winless. Care. I don't, don't, I don't care about that. I know. I was just pulling that. I think Joe Judge's style of coaching <laughs> and others that generally come from the college ranks doesn't really work at the pro level. Well, Judge came from the Belichick coaching tree, right? He was their special yep. teams. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, lots of uh, again, a lot of lot of good. I think a lot of surprising scores from over the weekend. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll talk more NFL. We'll we'll talk uh, some high school football coming up. We got to take a quick break, uh, but I, I definitely think that the NFL surprised over the last week or so. Uh, I, I think the Steelers showed you truly who they are. Um, yeah, the, the Saints. I don't. I, I can't get a good read what on. What are the Saints? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how do you lose to to the Giants? And on top, on top of that, I I thought Tennessee was a little bit better than than what they are. Uh, you can't lose to the Jets. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, they were missing guys, but still, I mean, you have friggin' Derrick Henry in the backfield. Give them give them the ball fifty times. Right. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you saw the story that came out today, but uh, Washington's. Uh, one of their coaches, I think strength and conditioning coach or somebody, uh, I'll, I'll get the story correct after the break, but uh, FBI raided the Washington team facility. And uh, their their coach had a, you know, he, he didn't travel with the team last week. The team took no responsibility. No. But, you know, it's it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of interesting things happened over the weekend. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break right here on the sports fan. Again, the number to call in, 740-592-6646. We'll be right back after this. Sportsman 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Quality. You hear that word a lot in commercials, but there's one business in town whose quality and prices are unsurpassed. I'm talking about Minuteman Press on Washington Street right next door to the Donkey Cafe. Uptown. You see, Minuteman Press is a hybrid. First, it's a full-service sheet bed press where they can create great art to meet your needs that the other places are simply unable to do. And they're also a complete copy shop as well. Minuteman Press on Washington between Court 
support in Congress. 593-7393. That's 593-7393. To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets on our auto policy at no extra charge, we're making a really cute pet-themed radio commercial. You gotta see this dog. It's a little puffball. <laughs> it looks like a piece of cotton candy that I could just eat up. <laughs> oh, and it waddles when it walks. He's a little ducky dog. Oh, I wish you could see it. <sighs> we really should have planned this better. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Sportsman 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills the mic with Joe Medor up until 7 o'clock today. No Cincinnati Reds, not anymore. Reds finished their season yesterday with the win over the Pirates. Joey Votto got another home run. So that was a, uh, a good way for, for Cincinnati to go out in what has been, you know, yep. the expectations changed. We talked a lot about the Reds, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Reds. They also and, avoided the, the AL chaos, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I kind of want to see, you know, just the t- whole tiebreaker situation and, and to have four teams, right, Joey? I mean, you can correct me here. But to have the four teams in it, they would have needed the Yankees and the Red Sox to lose to create that chaos. For four, but they still could have three. Right. If the Red Sox would have lost and Seattle would have won, then you would have had Toronto, Seattle, and Boston all tied. Right. And then, yeah, that tiebreaker would have been nuts. It would have been like either... They had the chance to, um, it would have been, so the three teams, like, either, so, like, the, one of the teams could choose to not to not play in the first game and then just play in the second game, but they're guaranteed to be away, and then the other two teams play each other. I don't know how they would have determined who's home and who's away, but it, it would have been nuts, basically. It, it would have been the regular season. They would have determined, you know, yeah. head-to-head matchup. It would have been a three-team I mean, you can't really call it a bracket because one team would have automatically been put in the other one. But whoever was al- whoever didn't get to play in the first game would have automatically been the away team in the second game, which obviously, you know, that's the advantage for the team that won the first game. But none of right. it happened. Uh, but, uh, Seattle lost and the Red Sox won. So Well, now you get a, a really good wild card game with the, uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the rivalry still has, you know, the flair that it obviously did when – you know, you have Manny Ramirez charging the mound, and of course the, the Alex Rodriguez and uh, who was that catcher? Uh, oh, I can't. The Yankee catcher or the no, Red no, Sox? No, no, the Red catcher. Sox catcher. You you don't know the club I'm talking about? I have to look when, it up. When when Pedro Martinez threw Zimmer to the ground, that whole fight. I'd have to find it. Are you kidding? I should I know. I can't it. believe you claim to be a baseball fan. I am a baseball fan. How do you not know what I'm talking about? I, I know, I mean, I know the rivalry, obviously. I'm mad I can't think of the catcher's name for the Red Sox, though. I don't know. Hey, we got a, uh, a call on the line. We'll think about it after the, uh, the call. The call, you're live on the sports fan. Yeah, I don't know whether you guys went to any of the Joy's high school games or not. But the thing that was so like, outstanding to me was, his last two years, I know, those boys, the first team, didn't play only 
just the first half. They might have went in and started the second half, but then they were on the bench the rest of the time. Because otherwise, the scores would have been way over 100 every game. Yeah, I, I remember, um, uh, you know, Joey and I are a little bit too young to have watched uh, Burrow play at, at, at high school. Uh, but, you know, I remember hearing about, you know, how Athens would, would go out, dominate teams in the first half, and, and not really need to have any of their starters out in the second they, half. They didn't have it in Marley in the second half, and even if they come back, they still didn't play the, you know, the first team. Also, and the boy that made the most catches in one, he made six in one game. He wasn't one of the guys that caught the ball the most. I mean, it wasn't like they depended on one boy or two boys, you know. Five or six boys caught that ball. All right. Yeah. I mean, you had uh, the Lormans. You had uh, Saltzman. Yeah. You had, um, uh, oh. who was the running back? Oh, the little black boy, I see. Went to Northwestern. Name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I do know uh, that that team had about, I think we we uh, crunched the numbers, I, I don't know, about four or five Division One football players. Oh, uh, they, I mean, they... That uh, I think the little black boy went up to one of the big schools and played the first year he was up there. Because I listened to him playing different times of games. Um, I can't remember. He was just a little boy, but he was a good runner. I can't remember his name. It's been too many years ago. But anyway, but I just think that people don't realize what a good team they really had. Because uh, I went to all the home games and the away games. Uh, the Playoff games was away. I didn't go to the away games. I listened to all of them, everything, you know. But uh, the games, unless they were real hard, they never played only the half a game. I mean, because it worried me when they had to play a full game. I thought, well, wonder if I can play a full game since they've only playing a half a game, you know. Trey Williams. Yeah. Yep. That, that sounds like it. Trey Williams. Yeah, that's it. But, yeah. I could. I got a book here. It's got a lot of stuff, and I could tell you a whole bunch of it if I had the book opened up here to tell you. But, but no, it it was something. I mean, when they played, I mean, if, I I often wonder. All these people are so interesting now. I wonder how many of them people went to the high school games when they were playing. I often wonder about that. You know, I know some of the regulars I know went, but I wonder there's so many people that's interested now. Wonder if they even left back when they were playing in high school when they were good. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know Joey and I weren't in the area when he was uh, when he was playing here, but uh, just hearing stories from Troy and, and from Frazy and, and from everybody else who was here, it seems like you know everybody. If, if you weren't doing anything that Friday, you know you're, you're probably going to watch their game, uh, uh, whether it be home or away. Yeah, Troy and them, they all know because they were at all the games and right. everything. They know all about it too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. no, no, I won't keep any longer. But I just happened to think about it when he was talking about it. Because, like I said, I still listen to him and everything, and hope he wins and don't get hurt. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a big game this week, uh, Joey. They've got Wellston, right? Yep, on the road, and coming off a pretty good win against Megs last week. Yeah, they played real good. I got to go to the game last week. I'd been out. I even fell and cracked three ribs and punctured my lungs and. Columbus Hospital for five days, so I said I was in jail up until I got out. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that you're doing well. We we go on Friday, and I got to go to this past game on Friday. Got to go to the game, and so I was asking me to get out to get, go to get another game. So, okay, well, I'll let you go. Bye bye. Yep. Thanks for the call. 
Yeah, it must have been something special to see, uh, you know, just what that Athens came, team could do uh, back in the day. And on top of that, I mean, you had some pretty good high school teams around in the area around that time, too. Drum. I mean, you had the Tomcats yeah. up on the rise, and the Tomcats are still kind of riding that high. Obviously, you had the uh, the Final Four team with the Nelsonville York Buckeyes and everything that came with that. I mean, you, you've had some pretty, you know, some really good teams over the last 10, 15 years or so. And on top of that, you know, if we expand the area a little bit, Vinton County's uh, girls basketball team. Uh, Trimble you know, was also in the championship game in 2018. Right. I mean, you had the Tomcats, you had the Buckeyes, you had the Bulldogs. Um, you, know, you had a lot of a lot of great teams around in the area. Um, but obviously you know, hi- highlighted with, you know, the uh, Joe Burrow and uh, the Bulldogs uh, back in the day. Um, but, Joey, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Friday, right? Because we we talked about it on the the post game show. Yeah, Burrow, on, yeah. Burrow and them would have been proud of what the Athens offense did on Friday to Megs. How good does Landon Wheatley look right now? Uh, very good. You can tell that he has complete control and command of the offense. Uh, he throws a really pretty ball down the field. I um, mean, you don't really do, you don't see too many high school football teams, especially around here, play the style that Athens really plays of, you know, where a lot of their offense is predicated off the passing game and the downfield passing game. You know, the amount of times they've had touchdowns of, you know, 30, 40, 50 more yards this year is is incredible. They are a big play offense. They want to hit you with a big strike down the field, touchdown, get up seven, get the ball back, do it again. That's what they... That's what they like to do. And, uh, you know, obviously when they get up, they like to give the ball to Brandis and, and Stevers and Piro sometimes on, on jet sweeps and, and stuff like that. But, you know, he, ever since he came in, you could tell the difference that he made in the offense. Um, you know, he's been very efficient with the ball. He's avoided bad interceptions. I think he's only thrown two to this point this year. And he just has great command. And, you know, he really came on running the football in the last game, too. He had, a you know, like a 70-yard touchdown run against Megs. Uh, that was by far their best performance of the year as a team. They get a defensive touchdown from Derek Welsh, 80-yard pick six off, you know, who many would probably call right now the best quarterback in, in the conference. But I tell you what, Athens gave him some fits as well. He was missing some throws down the field. They were getting pressure on him, making him roll out. And things like that. In a game where we talked about, and you know, you know, go to the dog pound for the game and other things like that. And you know, I don't think too many people were predicting an Athens victory, uh, especially since they were down some linemen and other things. Um, Braxton Springer, who's one of their main, you know, leading tacklers on defense, didn't play. He's also another receiver that they have, another option on the outside. But uh, to put up that performance against that team, who I think many kind of put as the third best team in the conference behind Nelsonville, York, and Vinton County, however you personally rank them. But uh, you know, it was a real good performance to see. It's one of those wins that you know you point to if you're Coach Nathan White with all these young guys and say, this is what we can do if you stick with me these next two or three seasons, however long that these kids had. Because as we mentioned, they have so many freshmen playing. They have so many sophomores. And, I mean, guys like Wheatley and Brandis and Levi Neal, they're all juniors. They'll be back too next year. And, uh, you know, just after their first two games of, and obviously they didn't have Wheatley, so it's tough to even judge them off those performances. But after those two games, if you told them that, they were sitting at two and one in conference play that they've been in every game since the first two, they had a legitimate shot to win every game since then. Um, 
think a lot of people would uh, kind of look at you sideways. And we talked about this on the postgame show Friday. I'd favor them over Wellston. I'd definitely favor them over River Valley. You win those two. Nelsonville, York beats Vinton County. All of a sudden, you're looking at a chance that Athens can grab a share of the TVC Ohio title. Whoever would have thought that'd be on the cards? And I'm not going to tell you they're going to beat Nelsonville, York, but, you know, Week 10 rivalry games with the conference title on the line, anybody can get up for that game And at that point, and it'll be at in, in Joe Burrow Stadium in the Plains. You don't want to look too far ahead. they got to handle their business these next two weeks, but it's just crazy to think that that's even on the cards after what they had to battle through early on in the season. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, my... I think both of us know how good Coulter Cleland is, so don't take this the wrong way. But, uh, you know, two weeks ago, Nelsonville York, you know, defeated Megs 13-6. to mm-hmm. That Buckeye defense was able to hold Coulter Cleland to under 200 yards. Total offense, right? Athens comes out, dominates through the air, dominates on offense. You know, they were able to, to get Megs. Um, you know, they, they gave up. 30, what was it, 35 points to, to Megs? Yeah. Um, yeah, 49 35 final score. But they were, in, they were in control. You know, outside of when it got to 28 28 and Megs had a lot of momentum after a turnover and they tied the game up, outside of that, Athens had complete control of that game, really. Yeah. And, and I guess my question is, you know, Megs, and I, I think we all understand, Megs has the best quarterback, but. You know, he he just doesn't have anybody around him. Yeah, I mean, Landon Wheeler has played his way into that conversation. Right. Uh, he, you know, their stats are very comparable. I think going into Friday night, uh, Cleveland had two more touchdown passes, one less interception. Wheatley actually had more yards in less games played. Um, so, you know, they have been very comparable. And as you mentioned, the weapons, I don't know, you know, I don't think the Meg's receiving core on the outside. Besides, Coulter has a little brother, Griffin. He's a pretty fast kid in the slot now. He made a long touchdown grab, and he had a pretty good game himself. He's their leading receiver. But outside of that, the, the weapons aren't really there. Meg's also missing their, their, their leading rusher on the season in the game. So, you know, they're a little banged up too. But, um, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, it is an interesting conversation. Obviously, Cleveland is going on. He's going to play football at Davidson next year, and he's a very talented football player. No one's suggesting otherwise. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody expected that, you know, Athens would outgun that Meg's offense like they did. Right, and I, I was talking to a couple of uh, Nelson New York Buckeyes, you know, during halftime, and we're, we're getting the, I'm getting the text updates from Frazee as, as you guys are going along in your game. And, uh, you know, if, let's say that, you know, Coulter decided to to go to a different school in the area, right? Let's even if he decided, you know what, maybe the talent's not around him at Megs. He wanted to put himself in a better uh, high school position. If he transferred to a different school, like let's say Nelsonville York, uh, you know, I I think that the Buckeyes would be a a a really really good football team if they had Coulter at at the helm. But um, you know, obviously that's not the case, and I'm I'm just you know throwing that out there, but. Uh, it, it just seems like he doesn't have any help on his team outside of his brother. Uh, and, and I don't want to say it's a wasted year for him. Obviously, he's going to go up and he's going to continue to, uh, you know, continue on in his football career. However, yeah, I mean, Connor, he's special. I mean, he you is. remember. He is. Uh, it was my freshman year, your sophomore year. We're doing Great Iron Glory. And uh, 
you know, towards the end of the year, you know, they have the player of the year discussions. I know it's a sore subject for people around here, but, um, uh, you know, they were talking about it. And then all of a sudden, I forget who it was, but they brought up, you know, there's this freshman at Megs who leads everybody that we cover in passing yards. It was like a freshman leads everybody in passing yards. And granted, Megs is more of a similar to Athens where they spread it out and throw the ball around more than other teams around here. But still, it was like, man. And even phrases on the broadcast on, he was like, it seems like we've been playing here for seven years. And that's what happens when a guy starts for all four years and, right. you know, throws a lot of touchdowns against you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a talented player. But, you know, Wheatley, he got the best. Wheatley and Athens. I mean, Athens has some really talented receivers now. Marcus Stevers, Levi Neal on the outside. Alex Pirro is very good. Braxton Springer, when he's playing, has been Pier- a good receiver. Derek Welsh has come on strong. He caught another touchdown pass this weekend. Well, I was going to ask you two things. I mean, Pirro, because, I, I, again, I haven't seen this Athens team since the, their uh, their practice in the beginning of the year against Trimble, right? Their, their jamboree at the beginning. Uh, Pirro caught my eye in that practice. And, obviously, the height and athleticism of Derek Welsh but I didn't know if Derek Welsh had the hands of a receiver. You know, I, I, I didn't know if he would be able to catch the ball consistently. But, you know, Welsh and Piro have come on pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, Piro. Uh, I mean, Matt Fraser will tell you, hey, that's one of his favorite players on the team. I mean, he's a short, compact kid, but he runs hard. He hits hard. He's, he's going to be a beast. Uh, by the time he's a senior, I mean, by the time he's a junior, sophomore, I mean, he's already one of the standout players I've seen this year. I mean, he makes plays all over the field on both offense and defense. Welsh, uh, uh, he's just, as you mentioned, he just had to, I think, get back into playing football and, and getting used to it. Now that he has. I mean, he had two touchdowns against Logan. He had a touchdown this past week. He had a pick six this past week. I mean, he's become one of their standout players as well. And he knew how athleticism that Derek Welsh. You knew about his athleticism uh, going into the season. Uh, if you followed Bulldog basketball, you knew that Welsh, uh, you know, was a big part of that team last year and a big part of why they won the TVC Ohio. Um, but you didn't know how he was going to look on the football field, and you know, I think that he's answered a lot of those questions. Um, but either way, we got to take a short break right here on the Sports Fan. Uh, we'll wrap up the program right after this and be right back. Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the Sports Fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. I don't know if you've heard, but the c and planes has been sold. Hello, this is Tyler. My wife Misty and I are the proud owners of the newly remodeled, fully stocked, and completely updated True Value Hardware and Farm in the Plains. So we invite you to stop on by. Take a look around for your home, hardware, outdoor power equipment, ranching, and farm hobby needs. And as always, thank you for shopping local. I'm Dr. Gordon Christensen. When I became a dentist, I learned how quickly poor oral health can lead to other serious health problems. And for people without access to care, these problems can spiral very quickly. I wanted to help, so I joined Dental Lifeline Network. Right now, there's a wait list for patients in need in your community. I'm asking fellow dentists who will join me in seeing one patient per year. 
To learn more, visit willyouc1.org. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Up until about three more minutes here. Take you up until 7 o'clock on the World News Roundup. CBS News follows us. I think the biggest thing, we'll, we'll stay with a little bit of high school here. I know we got the... Uh, NFL game coming on tonight for Monday Night Football with the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, not the Rams, but the uh, Do you the like the Manning, uh, the Manning broadcast they do? I like it. I like learning more about football. Because sure, sure, sure. I mean, they're, they're nitpicking this game every single piece. And plus, I mean, I think their broadcast booth is horrid for, for, for Monday Night Football. Yeah. I tell the people this all the time. Steve Levy, I think he's a you know, fine play-by-play guy and all, but like... It just, when you listen to him, it just screams of Virginia versus Pitt, Week 10. They're both like 4 and 5, and it really doesn't matter that much because that's what he always did for years and years. Like He was like the fourth you know, college football guy for ESPN. Then he just thrust him into the Monday Night Football role, and then Brian Greasy gets on my nerves. So. <laughs> yeah, so you don't like that guy? No, no, no. Is it because of what he says? Is yeah, it his, just, his uh, analysis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, I don't, I don't, I don't like the way he views football, really. Hmm. Uh, the whole Manning He's cast. one of those guys where we assume, because he's a former, I mean, obviously he knows more than you and I, Connor, but, like, we just assume he's a, he, he's a genius because he's a former player and we have to bow down to him, and I, I don't like guys like that. I don't know. Somebody got made fun of yesterday for having somebody else hold their umbrella for uh, Sunday Night Football, New England yeah, and, uh, right, Tampa yeah, Bay. Harrison, yeah. I don't know who that was, but people will nitpick anybody for anything, right? Um, either way, that about does it here for the Sportsman, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. For Joe Medora, this is Connor Mills signing off. CBS News at the top of the hour is next. And we thank you for listening in today. Talk to you tomorrow. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, FM.